Hello everyone and welcome back to my podcast. You're listening to Lynette and this is Living with Disassociative Identity Disorder. Today's podcast is going to be a breakdown of the three different types of disassociative disorders. And just bear with me today because I am feeling a little strong-headed, I guess you could say. My head is like, I guess it's one of those days where I might experience a switch so, um, just bear with me. I am going to get through this as quickly as possible before one of my alters take over. Um, so, there are three different types of disassociative disorders. They are disassociative amnesia, disassociative identity disorder, depersonalization, derealization disorder. And according to psychiatry.org, disassociative disorders include problems with memory, identity, emotion, perception, behavior, and sense of self. Disassociative symptoms can potentially disrupt every area of mental functioning. Examples of disassociative symptoms include the experience of detachment or feeling as if one is outside one's body and, and loss of memory or amnesia. Disassociative disorders are frequently associated with previous experience of trauma. I do need to notate that this type of trauma is long drawn trauma and it usually starts from childhood. So it's not one of those trauma or traumatic incidents where you can get over it. This is something that actually changed who you were and who you are currently. So um, that's very important to understand. And it's also important to understand that with dissociative disorders, a lot of cases include post-traumatic stress disorder because you can't get over it is shaped who you and your system is. So I just had to include that before I finish reading from this website. Again, you can read all of this information from the psychiatry.org website. The Sajran Institute, which works to help people understand and cope with traumatic stress and disassociative disorders describes the the phenomenon of disassociation and the purpose it may serve as follows. 
Disassociation is a disconnect between a person's thoughts, memories, feelings, actions, and sense of who he or she is. This is a normal process that everyone has experienced. Examples of mild common disassociation includes daydreaming, highway hypnosis, or getting lost in a book or movie, all of which involves losing touch with awareness of one's immediate surroundings. During a traumatic experience such as an accident, disaster, or crime victimization, Disassociation can help a person tolerate what might otherwise be too difficult to bear in situations like these. A person may disassociate the memory of the place, circumstances, or feelings about of, wait, about of the overwhelming event. Uh, mentally escaping the fear, pain, or horror. And that is very, very true with myself. So a breakdown of what disassociative amnesia is, um, it involves not being able to recall information about oneself, not normally forgetting, This amnesia is usually related to a traumatic or stressful event and may be localized, meaning unable to remember an event or a period of time, which is most common, or selective, which is unable to remember a specific aspect of an event or some at some events within a period of time or generalized which is the complete loss of identity and life history which is completely rare disassociative amnesia is associated with having experiences of childhood trauma like I said before and particularly with experiences of emotional abuse and emotional neglect which I do have people may not be aware of their memory loss which is not my case or may have only limited awareness and people may Minimum or minimize the importance of memory loss about a particular event of time or time. That is not me, but I just wanted to give you a heads up of the different types of disassociative disorders. And this is once again disassociative amnesia. I do not have disassociative amnesia. And when I get down to what I do have, you will understand. The next up is depersonalization disorder, also 
derealization disorder. This disorder involves significant ongoing or recurring experience of one or both conditions. They provide a breakdown of depersonalization and derealization in case you are wondering. So depersonalization is the experiences of unreal unrealty or detachment from one's mind, self, or body. People may feel as if they are outside their bodies and watching events happen to them. I do have this happen when I faint, um, which I have also um, been suggested that might not actually be me fainting, but um, a disorder or one of my alters actually experiencing a health crisis, which would also explain why come when I go to the hospital after experiencing a fainting spell, they can't find anything wrong with me because once again, it is not me. Derealization is the experiences of unrealty or detachment from one's surroundings. People may feel as if things and people in the world around them are not real. Very important. Symptoms may begin in early childhood. The average age a person experiences this disorder is 16. Less than 20% of people with depersonalization derealization disorder first experience symptoms after 20. During these altered experiences, the person is aware of reality and that their experience is unusual. So they're not just they're not having these experiences and then um hallucinating they know that it's not real which is even more frightening it is horrible okay the experience is very stress distressful even though the person may appear to be unreactive or lacking emotion and that is me. <laughs> I have this 100%. But I don't have this this, this type of um, disassociative disorder. The type of this dissociative disorder that I have is disassociative identity disorder. So disassociative identity disorder is associated with overwhelming experiences, traumatic events, and or abuse that occurred in childhood. Disassociative identity disorder was previously referred to as multiple personality disorder. Now, there is a huge difference between the two, and if you do Google disassociative identity disorder, 
you will find people still referencing or referencing. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? (laughs) Um, MPD to DID. And that is so not true. There is a huge difference. Is it is not the same. Trust me, I will break that down as well in my next podcast because I will be uploading another podcast that talks about the differences between multiple personality disorder and disassociative identity disorder. Okay? Symptoms of disassociative identity disorder criteria for diagnosis include one, the the existence of two or more distinct identities or personality states. The distinct identities are accompanied by changes in behavior, memory, and thinking. The signs and symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the individual. Now, what this means is how, if you listen to my other podcast, um, talking about my experiences with James, Aya, and Ayana, those, this, that's exactly what it means. Those people or personalities are the existence of two or more distinct identities. When they take over, my whole mood and body change. My facial expressions change. You can look at me and tell that I'm not me anymore and I am someone else. And I can't always tell the difference myself, but other people have been able to acknowledge that in me as it stated and um, sometimes I can I can communicate with my alters and we can work something out if they need to front they do um, sometimes they, they do communicate with me before they front other times not so much number two ongoing gaps in memory after everyday events personal information and or past traumatic events. This is very true for me as well because um, I don't necessarily remember a lot of things that I did yesterday or what I did this morning. I don't remember conversations that I had five minutes ago. I don't even remember what I said during this podcast. There are a lot of things that I said during this podcast that if I don't go back and listen to it, could be problematic or it could have not been me saying those things so that's very important Um, when you're listening to my podcast please understand the difference in my tones because sometimes you, you might be listening to me and other times you might be listening to another side of me which that's what I call my alters they are me they're just a different side of me they're different personalities of myself so um number three the symptoms cause these symptoms cause significant distress 
uh, or problems in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. And that is very true as well. I didn't know exactly what was going on with me when I was working, but I did have a lot of times where I had to ask my customers exactly what they said because there was moments where I completely what I what I call black out and that's when everything according to myself everything around me went completely black I don't faint when I black out it's not one of those moments it's where everything completely goes black I have no control over my movements of what someone is saying to me. I do not hear it. I can't see anything. I nothing. There's literally nothing. And that causes problems in my everyday life. In addition to the disturbance and it oh, I'm sorry. In addition, the disturbance may not be nor may not be a normal part of a broadly accepted cultural or religious practice. As noted in the DSM-5, and many and many cultures around the world, experiences of of being possessed are a normal normal part of spiritual practice and are not disassociative or disassociative disorders and I hit on this in my um, supernatural or yeah I believe it is the podcast that is um, supernatural titled go back and listen to that because my mother who is a Christian she actually thought that I was possessed when I told her that I have disassociative identity disorder. She said that I was possessed. And to me, that that kind of took me aback because I don't do anything. <laughs> I'm scared to go out by myself. I can't walk the streets by myself because I'm afraid that I might get lost or... I might fall or I might walk in front of a car because I happen to disassociate at a random time. So, you know, this is a problem. It's, it's a huge problem. I don't even drive anywhere by myself unless it's like locally. If I had a car, I wouldn't drive it that often because I do dissociate. But I am not possessed. (laughs) So, okay. The attitude and personal preferences, for example, about food, activities, clothes, of a person with disassociative identity disorder may suddenly shift and then shift back. Kind of like what I was saying earlier about Um, my alters or my other halves actually having a different look and things like that with Ayana I am more bubbly because she's bubbly she's airy she likes pink 
and pink things and she likes girly stuff glitter um 100% girly she's the teenager in me and um that's her whole thing that's her whole personality now it's different when Aya is there because she has this look of fierceness she is the Latina side of me and she has no hold bars she will let you have it and it takes a lot in me to not let her out as often when I can help it and I can't always help it because she is her own person and it's obvious so I keep reading the identities happen involuntarily and are unwanted and cause distress. And that is so true. A lot of times I do not want my alters to come out. And I can't stop them. People with disassociative identity disorder may feel that they are they have abs- they have suddenly become observers of their own speech and action or their bodies may have may feel different. For example, your body might feel like you're a small child or like you're a man instead of a woman or that you're huge and muscular instead of small and scrawny. The Sidron Institution or Institute notes that a person with disassociative identity disorder feels as if she has within her two or more entities, each with its own way of thinking and remembering about herself and her life. It is important to keep in mind that although these alternate states may feel or appear to be very different, they all are manifestations of a single whole person. So that's very true. That is very, very true. And I have come to accept that and I have come to acknowledge that. Other names used to describe these alternate states include alternate personalities, alters, states of consciousness, and identities. For for people with disassociative identity disorder, the extent of problems functioning can vary widely from minimum to significant problems. People often try to minimize the impact of their symptoms, which I might. I just very well might. (laughs) Okay, so continuing on, here are the risk factors and suicide risks. People who have experienced physical and sexual abuse in childhood are at increased risk of disassociative identity disorder, which is one of the reasons why I do have DID. The vast majority of people who develop disassociative disorders have experienced repetitive, overwhelming trauma in childhood. 
So remember when I said it's not just a hop in um, trauma, it's an overwhelming amount of trauma. There has been, for me, I will go into um, a lot more about how I developed Aya and when I believe that she first showed up. Um, but it does follow um, my molestation as a five-year-old. So, um, and then, like I said, I will touch on a lot more about it in a different podcast. But I, I know that this podcast is going to be pretty long. So I'm not going to go into it on this one. Okay. Among people with disassociative identity disorder in the United States, Canada, and Europe, about 90% have been the victims of child abuse and neglect, suicide attempts, and other self-injurious behavior are common among people with disassociative identity disorder. More than 70% of outpatients with disassociative identity disorder have attempted suicide. That is true. Unfortunately, it is true. But there is hope with the amount of with the amount of appropriate treatment many people are successful in ad- in addressing the majority symptoms or the the major symptoms of disassociative identity disorder and improving their ability to function and live a productive fulfilling life and that is exactly what my um my previous trauma therapist informed me she told me she said don't give up hope because there is still a chance for you you do have the opportunity to still live a productive successful and fulfilling life and I want to believe that so I am believing that Treatment typically involves psychotherapy. Therapy can help people gain control over the disassociative process and symptoms, which I am so, so hoping (laughs) that I do get a control over this because I don't want to be in the unknown. I want to know. I want to be able to control when my alters come out. I don't want someone committed murder. And then I have nothing to say about it. There are no medications to treat, to directly treat these symptoms of disassociative identity disorder. However, medication may be helpful in treating related conditions or symptoms such as the use of antidepressants to help treat the symptoms of depression. 
And a lot of people with disassociative identity disorder does have depression as well. I mean, it's kind of hard to be cheerful about something so destructive in your life. And the reason why um, the psychiatry.org whole article here goes more into detail about disassociative identity disorders because disassociative identity disorder is the worst out of all three. It is the worst. It's a combination of the other two as well as more. So I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about that and give you a little bit more information about disassociative disorders and disassociative identity disorder. And I hope that you enjoyed this little podcast. I know it's long. It's longer than my usual ones. And probably the next couple of ones will be a little bit shorter, um, but they won't be as, as, as short, I guess, as um, a lot of the other ones, but it won't be as long as this one, that's for sure. <laughs> and um, if you enjoyed this, please feel free to share and to donate. Um, I don't like to ask too much for the, for a donation, but I do know that Anchor is providing that option now to people who want to support us little, you know, little people. <laughs> so if you would like to support me and help me to keep this up, then um, I would gladly appreciate that. And you don't have to do it all the time. You can do it a one-time thing. It's completely fine with me. Whatever. You don't have to do anything. And I still provide you content. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. And I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful evening.